Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical, underage sale prohibited. Introducing Zone Nicotine Pouches, the perfect balance of unparalleled comfort, longer-lasting flavor, and nicotine that satisfies. Whether you're zoning in during the race or zoning out after a tough day at work, Zone gets you there faster and keeps you there longer. Available in seven flavors and in six and nine milligram strengths. Find Zone at zonepouches.com and retailers near you. Own your Zone with Zone Nicotine Pouches. This is MRN Crew Call, brought to you by Hercules Tires. Is it even possible that this weekend is the Coca-Cola 600? I mean, where did this season go? It is crazy that we are rolling into Charlotte for the season's longest race, but that's where we're at. And what a start it's been to the year with all of the different things, Bristol, Coda, we just, it's just, and it continues on when we get done with Charlotte. Nashville, Road America. What an exciting time to be part of NASCAR racing. It is good, that's for sure. I'm Steve Post, Pit Road Reporter for Motor Racing Network. This is Crew Call, presented by Hercules Tires, right on our strength. One of the things that I wanted to do with Crew Call this season is to just simulate some of those leaning up against the Goodyear conversations that we have in the garage area. And we're going to do that with a fabricator for Stuart Haas Racing. Brian Murphy is his name, a fascinating guy on the racetrack, how we got here, and fascinating off the racetrack as well. So that's what we're going to do on Crew Call. We're chatting with Brian Murphy. Napa! Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shins that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Crew call presented by Hercules Tires rolling along, and uh, Brian Murphy joins us from over at Stuart Haas Racing. Hello, Brian. Welcome into Crew Call. Postman, thank you very much for uh, having me on. I'm excited. Thank you. It's it's so we we live in such a weird time. Okay, you're one of those guys where I don't necessarily know. I'm sure we've chatted in the garage area, but it was all pre-COVID. Right, right. And I follow it on social media, so I feel like I know you, but maybe I do, maybe I don't, maybe I don't. It's just that's kind of why we did crew call to kind of simulate some of those leading up against a set of good year conversations we have. So uh, it's pretty cool. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm excited. It's uh, there's actually it's a great thing about uh, the technology now is is I can meet a lot of people over social media or Zoom calls. And, uh, you know, it's a great way to to introduce yourself, to learn about people and to do cool things like this. Yep, no doubt. It is. It is neat. Your passion for racing. It, it is uh, following you on social media. You have a passion, not only for NASCAR racing, but every form of racing. Where did your passion for racing come from, Brian? Well, it started actually a jump early. It, it started very late in my, in my life. I didn't grow up in a family that we worked on race cars. We didn't watch a single race. It was all, you know, 
Green Bay Packers and football. So um, when I was uh, heading into my junior year, um, my mom asked me if I wanted to go to a NASCAR race. And I said, that sounds terrible. And she actually forced me to go to my first race at Watkins Glen. And I just fell in love with the noise, the people, um, the, the entire atmosphere of it. And from there on, um, I was able to move down here. I didn't go to school and I um, got lucky enough to, to build late models. And then, um, you know, just my progression through motorsports, I've met so many people that have introduced me to dirt racing or sports car racing or things like that. And I've been very fortunate enough to be uh, to be part of a lot of different types of motorsports and get to see all the cool parts of it. Were you one of those, and, and I know I am, uh, I, although I spent a little time trying to deny this, were you one of those guys that career-wise is like, find my passion, I'm going to do that? Because it, it sounds like you, it sounds like you just, just, just followed your heart down to North Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was, I was going to take the SATs in high school and I was going to go to college and and one day my mom asked me uh, if I was ready to do all that. And I said, you know, I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to move down south and I want to work on a race team. And, and that's what I want to do. And so I set my mind and heart to it. And uh, I just never looked back. You know, it's been it's been an absolute blessing from from day one. And, and I'm very fortunate to make it where I'm at. I love the passion because of the variety. I'm a guy that loves virtually all form of motorsports. I, I do a lot of short track racing. Yep. Um, I, I don't get to follow the, the, the sports car stuff because I'm usually at the track and, and don't get to follow it. Um, is, there a, is there a favorite type or is there a, a, a type of thing or is there a bucket list or are you just kind of a fan of all of them? No, I, I, love, I love every bit of it. Um, for me, you know, the NASCAR side has turned – um, you know, I started as a fan. Now I'm, I'm a little bit more involved in it. It's, it's somewhat of a job. You know, you, you have to take it seriously. Um, you have to kind of treat certain aspects of it like a job. It can't just be all jokes and, and, and being a fan all the time. You know, this is a, a serious sport. So um, I love every bit of being part of NASCAR, but I get to also go then to an IMSA race and just be a fan and, and hang out and, and, and do things like, uh, you know, party and have a beer and watch a race you know you can't do that on pit road so um no i love all of it i love going to the dirt tracks i love i've worked in short track racing a bunch you know i'd love to go to hickory when i can and i'm home um so there is absolutely no favorite i love if it's got tires and a motor i mean hell even if it's on water i'll watch the racing i like it all I did, um, I did a couple of weeks ago at Charlotte, I was home or off a weekend and I did SVRA, which is the vintage racing. And then they mm -hmm. had Trans Am and Trans Am 2 at the Roval. Yep. And I'm telling you, and that's, that's as far out of my element of racing as I go, but it's not, it's just is, it, it's fascinating to see how guys and gals are making cars go around in circles or, or, or go around a road yep. course. It, it, it's amazing to me. Yeah. And it's, I saw a bunch of your pictures and it's cool. The variety of race cars that show up to events like that, uh, you, know, you have stock cars, you have old sports cars, you know, you have Miatas, you have all kinds of, of just a, a variety of amazing automobiles that you could watch go around the racetrack. So um, I definitely, that's an event I would like to get to someday for sure. Here's the other thing that just is amazing about it. And, and, and Brian, I know that you, uh, you understand this, the people involved in the sport and, and actually a former coworker of yours, Alan Mincy, mm -hmm. um, he is, uh, he is working over in Nashville. He's working, uh, the guy that does big machine records, Scott Borchetta, he is he is working on his program. 
and, and and I think that's the other fascinating part about racing is you don't really have to go too far into a garage area before you, you find somebody with it, whatever that degree of separation thing is that knows somebody. Well, once you meet somebody, you you get behind the scenes in an instant. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that's, uh, you know, I started at the short track level and there, there was a couple of years there where uh, one of my friends, he actually raced in IMSA. And so for a year or two, I, I traveled with an IMSA team and, and worked in sports car racing. And it was just a flip of a switch. And and if you're a motorsports fan or, or you know, if you're a diehard motorsports uh, worker, then, you know, you're, you're going to gel with anybody. It's it's not one way or the other. You can you can just dip your toes in anything and, and start running. So who who was that you were working with? that You jumped from short tracks to IMSA. Uh, Sean Rahal. Um, oh, my God. I know yeah. Sean real well. I talk sprint cars with yep. him all the time. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I built his late miles when he was running UARA. And uh, soon after that. Uh, he moved over to the IMSA lights and then did uh, the PC car. Um, so I got to meet a lot of people there. Uh, and, and, you know, I worked a couple of years just being a fabricator because, you know, a lot of those teams are looking for people that can just make something out of anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was fun to be able to travel with those guys and, and, and fabricate and learn their style of racing and, and their culture. And, and that's kind of where, you know, my love for any kind of more sports really exploded because, uh, you know, I got to see all kinds of things doing that with them. Yeah, I can imagine. I, I ran into Sean the first time I ran into him is the summer shootout with the Legends cars. Yeah. Uh, he raced with us there. And then I knew he made the step to late models, which is natural. We have a yeah. lot of that. Yeah. And the next thing I know, he's running sports cars. I'm like, OK, he, he took a turn here somewhere right. in the sports car world. And then I lost track with him and I'm at a sprint car race in uh, Wisconsin <laughs> yeah. and he's yeah. up there, man, that's, uh, that, that, that's a boy that gets around. Yeah. Yep. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's cool to see, and like we're talking about, it's cool to see crew members jump from, from racing series to racing series or um, discipline to discipline. It's, it's really cool to see drivers do that. And I think we're seeing that more nowadays. Uh, we're going to see a lot more of it in the future. It's exciting to see. And uh yeah, it's, it's awesome. I love, he's so happy riding those sprint cars. Uh, you know, it's, it's fun to watch him learn something that he has never done before. I mean, it's, you can go from maybe a sports car to a late model or asphalt car, but going from a sports car to a dirt car. Now that's, that's like uh, uh, Montoya when he went from F1 to NASCAR to the dirt track at Eldora. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's neat. It really is. And I respect guys that do that so much, whether it's a world-class guy like Juan Pablo Montoya or an aspiring Knoxville national champion like, uh, like, like Sean, um, fun stuff. That is for sure. You're a fabricator at uh, Stuart Haas racing. Just, 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 just tell our listeners, tell our viewer what that, what that means, what you, what you do day in and day out there at Stuart Haas. Well, there's, you know, these current cars, um, it's, it's definitely a special platform that we don't see anywhere else in the world of more sports. There's so much fabrication that goes into these gen six cars from building the chassis to, um, fabricating the bodies and installing them to finish fab to um, the paint and body side of things. So there's, there's tons of different fabricators. And when I started at Stuart Haas, I started out as a, uh, a front end body hanger where, you know, the chassis comes in bare and, and you install the fenders, the nose, the hood, the tail, uh, all, all those pieces that you see on the outside. Um, finish fab is a lot more of uh, crush panels, ductwork, windows, a lot of the finishing touches um, and then, and then you, you go to paint and body and there's still a lot of fabrication and massaging that goes on in those rooms as well. Um, but for me now, since I've gone 
from the body hanging side, I've, I've become like a detail fabricator where I, I watch each car as it goes through each um, department to make sure that the, the parts and pieces are putting are being put together properly. They're meeting our spec, they're meeting NASCAR spec, and, uh, and that they are as high performance of a race car as we can bring to the racetrack. So that's, that's what I do. There's a, there's, you know, I think it's very underrated in how precise cup teams are, how much energy and effort goes into making sure these cars, like I said, meet NASCAR standards, but just barely. So, um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a fun, it's a fun game. It's, it's very challenging because the tolerances are so small in this sport um, that, uh, you know, it's, you have to keep up with these cars every day through every process. Give us an idea. What are we talking tolerances here? Um, just, just give us an idea on some of the, some of the, the detail and how, how precise this has to be. Well, I mean, you see it every, every Saturday and Sunday when teams fail and, and, you know, fans always ask, well, you know, are they cheating or is, you know, what's going on? It's, it's not necessarily that it's, it's, they give you a tolerance on, let's say on the body of plus or minus 150,000. So a little more than a quarter inch. And if you fail by 1,000, if you're 151, then you fail. And that could be the difference of a change in ambient temperature. That could be a difference of literally just pushing the car around and someone putting their hand in the wrong place. So, and same goes for the, the suspension. Um, you know, we're talking thousands of an inch here, less than, than a human hair. So uh, it's, it's a, like I said, a very precise sport that we're in. And, and, and I, I imagine you talk about the, the, the situation, someone puts their hand down, but these cars are also like a jigsaw puzzle. So someone puts their hand on the rear quarter panel, it, 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 it probably is a, is, is a factor as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, and that's, that's the other thing that it is part of the game, gamemanship that we have with the officials. It's a cat and mouse game. And you see it, like I said, last couple of weeks with people pulling out skirts or something. These cars are so sensitive. So you have your moments where, or yeah, things are on purpose, but more times than not, things are not on purpose. And it's just how small these tolerances are. And, and uh, you know, NASCAR holds us to it and as they should. So you work and you, you're, you're the, the four teams at Stuart Haas Racing, you just work on all of them. Are there, are there, are there subtle things that Mike Bogorovich might like or, or uh, you know, or Kevin Harvick and Rodney Childers or are they, are they four equal cars or are there little things that these teams are allowed or able to customize a little bit? So my, my job in particular, I'm on the 14 and 41, but there's, a, there's another person in my position for them as well. But we work really well together and, and we try to help each other for on each team. Um, Stuart Haas, you know, some teams are separated by uh, into two groups, let's say. Stuart Haas is very open. Everybody helps everybody. When a car goes down on a body plate, it's the next car. It doesn't matter if it's a 410, 14, 41, it goes down. So we all help everybody. Um, but to your question, there right now with this aero package and it's very tunable to a driver's likes and needs. And so each racetrack can bring up different difficulties for a different driver. And mm -hmm. so the end result is, is the same, but how you get there can be very different. Um, and that's just part of this, this 550 package. The 750 is a little bit more, you know, it's a little bit easier to work with because you know, you know what you're trying to do, just pull down force, you know, and, and roll on. It's, you know, when you get to 550, how do you find efficient downforce? How do you, how do you balance how much drag 
and how much downforce you need. Um, and then again, what, what does a driver want? Do they want a free car? Do they want uh, a tight car? And, and aerodynamics plays so much into these cars these days that it's, it's, it's really, there's so many options. It's, it's not like three or four things you can change. There's hundreds of things on these cars that dictate how they react on the racetrack. I, it fascinates me because we, we uh, it, it seems like to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, we always talk about the box that NASCAR puts these teams in, the box that NASCAR puts these teams in. And, and it seems like, yes, the box is smaller, but there's still a lot of a, a lot of room with these minimal tolerances with inside that box. Is oh, that yeah, there's, there's definitely, uh, you know, the box appears small, but it's a pretty big, big box that we get to work with. You know, 150,000 plus or minus 150, that's 300. That sounds like a, a small amount to a lot of people, but... For us, there's so many areas that we can work in. There's so many things that we can change um, and still meet NASCAR standards. So, uh, and, you know, as time progresses, we get really good at finding little bits and pieces that in the end make up a lot. So um, no matter how small that box gets, there's always going to be somebody that can figure out how to utilize the rules and the situation we're in the best. And, and that's the way it's always going to be. What's that like as a fabricator when that team wins on Sunday afternoon to know that you had your hands on that winning piece? Yeah, that's, it's, that's, uh, how rewarding is that? It's such an incredible feeling. And I think you go back to when you were a fan, when you were either a kid or or even, you know, for me, I was a young adult when I first started watching and, and wanted to be a part of the sport. And it's it's fulfilling in so many ways. Not only did you that you've made it to this small group of people and, and you're able to win cup races um but also to know that as much hard work and dedication that you and the guys around you have put into this race car and and how much the driver has worked and believes in us to go out and win a cup race is i mean it gives goosebumps just talking about it. it's it's an incredible feeling for for so many reasons yeah it just is this is this is a this is a difficult sport, and yeah. and 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 the men and women. It, we we see the guys on pit road. We yeah, you know, we obviously see the driver. We see the crew chief. We talk to them all the time. But man, I'll tell you what, man, you want to talk about the the uh, team sport? I know you're a football fan, yeah. but I'll tell you what, NASCAR team sport is is has to probably be about as tight and knit a team as possible. Absolutely, and then you know, it's not it's the entire sport too. Uh, even other teams in us or, or the officials in us, we, we travel as a group of people together, you know, 36 weekends out of this year. So it's, or even more, you know, so we're, we're tight with everybody, whether it be other teams, whether it be our team. Um, you know, when I traveled full time, I saw my team more than I saw my wife. And it's just, that's just part of this sport. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, the guys that you work with have your back and even the guys on other teams have each other's backs. And it's, it's an amazing family and community to be part of. The reason I wanted to do crew call to share the amazing community and family <laughs> in this garage area. You, yeah. you, you, you've stated it much more eloquently than I ever did when I was pitching this whole idea because, <laughs> because it is, and it's so fascinating. And what I also find fascinating is the away from track interest that everybody has. Mm -hmm. Um, your mountain climbing, I, there's a parallel here for, for what I'm going through with some running. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I am, I am, I am not Jimmy Johnson. Okay. Let's, let's establish that or Jamie McMurray or one of those guys, but 
you uh, you climbed Mount Rainier a couple of years ago, but but I actually want to go back because it sounds to me like the mountain climbing almost started by accident on a road trip to Bristol. Is is that accurate with one of your teammates? Yes, that is 100% accurate. Um, I, I think it's funny because my my love for mountain climbing actually started a lot like my love for racing. Um, you know, like we're very fortunate to be able to travel all these places around the United States and see amazing, you know, amazing landscapes. And so we would travel and, and one of my coworkers, he, uh, he loves to hike and he would always ask me, you want to go on a hike? And I'd be like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Just like how I started my racing career. And finally we were on our way to Bristol and, uh, and I could tell he was being a little quiet and he looked over and said, you want to go on a hike? And I knew he wanted to go really bad. So yeah, I said, all right, let's do it. So we stopped somewhere in the, in the Appalachian Mountains and, uh, and we went up and, and went to Hawksville Mountain in the Linville Gorge. And it, when, re, when I reached the top and saw those views and, and you know, just the, uh, the challenge of getting up there, it was, it was an incredible feeling. And it just snowballed from there after that. It, uh, you know, it turned into not just a, a physical game, but a mental game. How much could I push myself? Where could I go? How hard could I, how hard of a hike could I do? And within a year and a half of doing my first hike, I had climbed Mount Rainier. So it, I mean, it, it snowballed out of control very quickly. Uh, it is. The, the, the parallel I have is that the, the Knoxville Nationals, of course, the big sprint car race, my friend Kendra Jacobs is the marketing director out there. And she uh, wanted to do a 410, 410 cubic inch uh, engine, a 410 run. Now it was going to be a beer run and there was going to be brat stands and everything else. And, you know, there's your hardcore runners, but then there's us fat radio guys. Yeah. Okay. And she said, <laughs> I need somebody to let the people who are not running this know it's all right to walk this, all right to have Absolutely. fun. Absolutely. Yes. I was that guy. I said, okay, I'll walk to your beer stand. I'll walk to your bratwurst stand. I'll, I'll do this. No clue what was going to happen that day. Just, just like you on that mountain up in yep. there. No clue what was going to happen. Somewhere out on the course, I'm out there, and I, and I kind of had a spot where I was on my own. It was in, the, in a community part of, of Knoxville, Iowa. And Brad Sweet's dad ran up alongside of me and says, have you ever done anything like this before? I said, no, I'm here for the beer. <laughs> I am, I, where's the next beer stand? You okay. know, that's what I'm here for. Yeah. And he says, I do interval runs. And I'm like, what's that? And he said, you know, I'll run for three minutes and walk for a minute, run for a little bit like that. And we chatted for a little bit. And he said, well, intervals up and away he goes. And yeah. I'm sitting there saying, well, if I run, I can get to the beer stand quicker. <laughs> right. Okay. So maybe I'll do it. And I said, yeah, I'll just run a minute. Well, 45 seconds, I was done. I was, right. I was gassed out. I was done. And I'm like, well, that's kind of embarrassing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I did it. And we got done with the race and I come across the line and chugging a beer and I'm, I'm playing the role, but I was riding back to the hotel that day, uh, back in Des Moines. And I'm like, I can do that interval walking, running thing. Mm -hmm. And I never said a word to anybody. Never said a word to my daughters, never said a word. And November 3rd, 2018, I ran walk slash interval, my first 5k. And I think I'm at 35. I've done an 8k. I'm searching for a 10k. It's, yep. Isn't isn't it amazing, Brian? How how something that you never saw coming can 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 all of a sudden take over all your time in your life? Absolutely, and and uh, you know one of the best things I heard when I climbed Mount Rainier is is our guide always said, you know everybody focuses on the summit of of the mountain, and that's not really what it's about. It's about the summit of what you can do. Reach your summit. Do the best you can. 
try the hardest you can. And that summit, whether it be the true summit or your summit, that summit's the most important thing. And so, you know, that's kind of how I look at things, especially in mountain climbing is, is my goal is to try to get to the top, but you know, I'm very proud of all the summits I've made, whether or not it's the true summit or not. So, and I try to build from there in each experience, whether it be racing or mountain climbing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one thing, the, the key number, I mean, and I'm, I'm always conscious about PRs, which are personal records and trying to get faster and trying to get better. I always tell people the key number is 5k or 8k or 10k doing it. That's the key number. And uh, sometimes I get off the reservation on that and try to push myself a little harder. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> right, and, right. But it's just fascinating. It really is. And when I was, when I was reading about you, I was like, man, his, his deal with mountain climbing is very similar and and uh, yeah i did my first I, I did my 5ks and someone says you're gonna want to do a 10k you're gonna do now there ain't no way in the world there ain't no way in the world i'm gonna do that yeah um the nascar schedule and the running schedule has been weird during covid uh but if i can find a 10k somewhere this summer or this fall i'm doing it yeah. and all of a sudden now all of a sudden it's like well there's these half marathons and i'm like there you go well, yeah i mean how how did this happen who are right. you and what did you do with that beer drinker that just wanted to go to the next Bratwurst stand. Yeah. You know, it's, so. it's amazing what uh, how motivated you get when you can do something you didn't think that you would be able to do. And, and I think that's a big part of it is just doing something and, and wanting to achieve more. And I, and I think that's the case uh, getting getting to my story. Um, that that race, November 3rd, 2018, at 54 years old, is the first athletic competition. I ever did. I announced in high school. I announced sports. I was I was the the PA guy. Yeah. I mean, and to to think about doing an athletic competition was as foreign to me as anything in the world. And yeah. I can't wait. I've got my next one coming up the first weekend of June in China Grove. Um, it's it's it, it's crazy how this thing takes over and really really is neat. Um, switching gears, okay. I see on your profile you are a charcuterie board expert lover okay yes but then i followed along on social media and you went vegan for 30 days okay i'm I'm confused here (laughs) so uh andy lally is a good friend of mine and he's a very big vegan for many reasons uh and just uh you know we talk about different vegan meals or restaurants and when when he comes down then you know i get to see him and, uh, and we get to talk about things like that. And so I kind of just put it on a challenge of myself to learn more about uh, veganism and what goes into it. And, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of ways we can help the world. And I'm not saying you have to go vegan all the time, but there's a lot of different things you can eat and do to cut back on the impact of animals in the world. And and so it was, it was a really cool challenge for myself to learn more about that. And, um, you know, it, it really wasn't as hard as most people think. There's a lot of great products out there that make up for a lot of different things that you can or can't eat. And um, yeah, me and my wife did it for 30 straight days. Uh, but, you know, I do really enjoy my cheese. And so when on that 31st day, we definitely had a big, big, big cheese board. So um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. That's cool. That really is. We, um, I, uh, my daughter, uh, my daughter, uh, came into the house and proclaimed that she was vegan. Mm-hmm. And I first off had to Google it to see what cult she had joined, you know, <laughs> and just what does this mean? And, and yeah. I am a, where's my charcoal? Where's my tongs? Right. Yep. I'm a, yep. I'm a carnivore. Yeah. 
And when she brought this into the house, I'm like, what in the world has happened here? <laughs> right. And she did it for two years, two and a half years. And it was spectacular because mm -hmm. I learned all kinds of great things to make. And, and we actually have it incorporated in our life a lot. She is no longer vegan, but it's funny to hear you because Andy Lally may be at the time, the only vegan that I knew. <laughs> right. And we happened to be on a road course race. And I said, dude, I, I need some, okay, time out. I'm yeah. way over my head. And he was so um, passionate about it oh, yeah. and so helpful with it yeah. too. He's got, um, I talked to him a lot on what to buy, what to get. He's also on his Instagram. He you can go on to, uh, I think it's vegan shopping tips. And he kind of lays out a bunch of great restaurants, a bunch of great places to go. Um, and if you go shopping, he, he lays out almost everything you can buy and, and what to make. So that was an extremely helpful page that I went on. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it was fun to learn all the different things to eat. And, and, and I have a lot of favorites that I'm going to continue to eat a lot more in the future. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's been things um, I'm uh, we do, we do. I always, I'm an old school dinner at the table guy with my, yeah. with my kids. And um, there, there are a number of those things that are carrying over from the vegan era um, that just, that, that just were really, really good. Um, really, really good <laughs> stuff. That's for sure. So, um, yeah. what is, okay. What is, uh, what is the key? My, my youngest daughter, uh, we did our first charcuterie board, uh, over the holidays and we're doing it on when she just got back from UNC Charlotte. What's the key to a good board? Well, I'm, I'm a big cheese fan, so I, we don't necessarily put too much meats on there. There are some, I think, uh, you can go out and get a, a bunch of different cheeses and crackers, but for me, having a good honey and a good mustard, because you can put that about on anything and it, it escalates what, uh, uh, every taste bud in your mouth. It's, it, 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 it makes everything 10 times better. Okay. So I did, and it sounds to me like it's a sweet and sour thing with the, with the honey and the mustard. Yes. Yes. I did pears. I have a partnership with Sage Fruit. And uh, they're an apple and pear and cherry pear producer. Uh, the girl up there, she said, do pears, which is very, very sweet. And I mm -hmm. did pears with a goat cheese. Oh, dude, I'm yeah. telling you what. I mean, well, I'll have to give that a shot. Yeah I, yeah, I don't think I've ever had pears on one. So we'll definitely have to do that this weekend. Yeah, it's it, that, that kind of is the, uh, the, the one of the sweet one of the sweet parts about it, because okay. um, it is cool. It is cool. Finally, for you here, I, I kind of want to step back to the mountain climbing. You guys have actually taken this mountain climbing, though. You and uh, Justin Potter, your uh, your your teammate, the guy that the, the guy that had you climbing the mountain yes. in the first time. You yep. guys have actually formed Appalachian Adventures Group. What is that? So, um, you know, we've traveled around the Western Carolinas so much that we've been on almost every trail and have shot almost every mountain. Um, and we kind of got to the point where we were trying to figure out what would motivate us even more to continue to, to travel every weekend to the mountains when, if we were free. And so one of the best parts about, you know, the outdoors and even more sports is, is sharing these experiences and sharing these places with other people. And so what we've tried to do is, is come up with a way to, you know, not only be able to bring people either hiking, uh, rappelling, climbing, but also create a community of people where each person has a different specialty and we can help each other out to learn other different fun aspects of the outdoors, whether it be kayaking or uh, photography or whatever it is. It's, it's, it's not just a, it's not just a business to 
bring people to the outdoors and snap an Instagram photo. It's more of the education of, of the outdoors and, and how you can be responsible and how you can enjoy them and and hopefully do that is you know every free moment you can appalachian adventure group is really neat uh, again the parallels are crazy i went kayaking with my daughters on the new river for the first time last year and it's already on the docket it's <laughs> we're, we're we don't know what days we're going but we know that when that water temperature gets warm enough so yeah. when, when you know when, when 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 dad falls over it's uh right. you know we're not seizing up on anything <laughs> and um it's a, and i actually it's funny you mentioned that because i actually one day in january or maybe pre-daytona i wanted to go do something and i actually went over to the ure forest and went for a hike and i've never yeah. hiked in my life so yeah. i mean it's just it, it's neat it really is and i salute you on that because um I, the 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 outdoors and especially the mountains of north yep. carolina yep. my uh, my youngest one considered app state she ended up at charlotte but oh man dad, dad was hoping she'd have been at app yeah. state that, that's live, a beautiful part of the world we live in an amazing amazing area like you said with uh so much opportunity to to get outside and enjoy the outdoors whether it be just a simple hike or repelling 450 feet or, or kayaking down a river and um, you know, I spent probably the first six years I lived here not knowing that and, and wasting that opportunity. And, and now that I know it, I'm going to use every opportunity that I can to to enjoy it and, and hopefully introduce others to it as well. Well, I may hit you up on some of the hiking stuff. I um, I think that that's a, another chapter that I kind of want to explore. It's, Absolutely. It's really cool. And that part of the country is just I love going up there. I really do. Well, Brian, I'm telling you what, this has been a real pleasure getting a chance to chat here on Crew Call. Uh, we appreciate the time. It, it, we're going into Charlotte this week. Does it even seem possible that we're in the second half of the regular season headed to Charlotte? Where did this year go? No, I, it's it's absolutely flown by, and I don't know if it's, uh, you know, last year with the pandemic, it kind of, there was a long break, and it, it for me, it kind of drug out a little bit. Yeah. Um, but this year, being back on the routine of racing every weekend and and now that we've got backup cars and practice and qualifying coming up the next, you know, five out of seven events, I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's flying by. So uh, hopefully we can get some wins here, get locked in the playoffs and, and see what happens. See what happens. That's for sure. Thanks for the time, Brian. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Postman. There we go. Fabricator at Stuart Haas Racing. Brian Murphy joining us here on Crew Call. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. 
Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. This weekend, all three of the National Touring Series and the Arkham Menard Series are at Charlotte Motor Speedway. It's Coca-Cola 600 weekend, and I can't wait to see that place full of race fans. Charlotte, such a special spot. I, I, I know our friends at PRI have the radio coverage, but Charlotte is a neat spot, so near and dear to me. Uh, actually, my first talking gig in North Carolina was at Charlotte Motor Speedway, and I did some PA there and still do for the summer shootout and did number of the NASCAR races back in the day as well before the MRN schedule took over. So I am so excited to see Charlotte and Charlotte full of people this weekend. It's the Coca-Cola 600. Crew members, you're going to have a lot of work this week. You know, Charlotte is a track that is not necessarily a high wear track. We'll see how it goes as it's aged a number of years. But boy, it's one of those tracks that is so temperature sensitive. There are times crew chiefs will make a call to put on four tires just to adjust the air pressure because the track is going through a change, especially as we run from late afternoon into the evening. The Coca-Cola 600, the longest race of the year. What a challenge it is. What a fun race. And crew members, they will enjoy their Memorial Day off after pitting the cars for this one multiple, multiple times. Motor Racing Network will be at Charlotte some this weekend. We have the Truck Series. It's the North Carolina Education Lottery 200. That is coming up on Friday night, 8 o'clock Eastern time. And also we have the General Tire 150 ARCA race, MRN's coverage at 7 p.m., Eastern time on Saturday night. You can go to MRN.com, look at our schedule tab. And not only do we have the schedule, we also have reminders there so you can set it to your phone or your device so you know that every time Motor Racing Network is on the air, you can twist us in, that's for sure. We appreciate Brian Murphy joining us here this week on Crew Call. More important than all of that, though, thank you for joining us here this week on Crew Call, presented by Hercules Life. 